Hey everyone, welcome to Handing the Shame Pack, a podcast dedicated to survivors of sexual abuse across the world. We know there are many of us and this is one small attempt at providing resource support and a safe space to land. As with all shows, we have a trigger warning and this one's no different. Please, if you're watching this and you start to feel upset or concerned in any way, stop watching, go to the show notes below and you'll be guided to some resource and support. I'm so blessed on this show team. I have the most amazing guests step forward and I'm so grateful to bring this next survivor to you. Her name is April Duke. She comes to us from Idaho. She's incredible. You'll soon see why. And she is a ghostwriter and author, a podcaster in her own right. And this is part one of her story. Welcome to the show, April Duke. Hello, thank you so much for having me here today. I am excited. It's so cool. So cool. Hey, so April, uh, just in your own words and with your comfort level, what are you prepared or can you tell us about you? Yes. Okay, so a little bit about myself, especially growing up. Um, So I have many... Um, I've got one brother and I have four sisters. And you'll notice that I'm using my hands to sign because I have two deaf daughters. So I'm a mom of nine children and two were born deaf. So I try to have my hands moving for them. If they ever see mom on camera, they'll know, oh, she was trying to to talk to us. So that's why. So I hope it is not distracting from your your, uh, audience. And I try to, you know, have that be a part. And I know it's um, American Sign Language. So sign language is not universal around the world, but it might, um, any deaf you know, who are watching on YouTube, they might be able to pick up a few things. At least my American audience will. So to tell a little bit about myself when I was young, again, I have one brother and four, sorry, three sisters. There's five of kids all together and my mom and dad they met and um were married about gosh about seven months after they met and really wanted to start a wonderful family and my two older sisters were born and then I came along so I was number three and what's something kind of interesting about my name April my dad wanted all of the girls to have A names, well, actually any kids to have A names because his his name is William with the last name of Tribe. So he was always at the end of the alphabet. So every time roll called, he had to wait till the end. So he thought, well, I can't change the last name, but I can at least give them all A names. <laughs> so Amy, Elisa, and then me, April, Aaron, my one brother, and Allison. Now, why I share that is because when I was born, there was actually a little fight that happened. And what's interesting about this wasn't with my parents. It was actually with my mom and her mother-in-law. Anyone start to ring a bell out there with that? Maybe have a challenging (laughs) mother-in-law. So 
the the day I was born, my mom wanted to pick the name Anne, and my grandma piped up and said, "Well, I will call her Annie." And my mom does not like the name Annie, and so an argument started. And the doctor said, "So tell me what the problem is." And my mom says, "Well, I need an A name, and I like Anne." And the, my mother or my mom's mother-in-law said, "Well, I like Annie." And so the doctor suggested April because I was actually born in April. So that's what stuck with me. And so I've always been where it's quote at because I am April tribe. So that kind of gives a little bit of spice within my life when we first started out. <laughs> that's amazing. What a, a beautiful story. Thank heavens for the doctor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. So I guess one of the things, obviously, you're a survivor of child sexual abuse, otherwise you wouldn't be on the show. So That's true. So, yeah, I guess for our beautiful audience watching, um, we April's now going to share her, her story of that with us. And the, the beauty of this, April, is that you will be able to reach people who can relate to what you went through and that's the gift people feel less alone yes yeah so I guess to start with the story um I'm always very active and I think within our family we had several several different projects always going on and when there was any time to have free time, I sought after my neighbor's trampoline. So we did not have one, but my neighbor did. And I have a gift of, of gymnastics and of tumbling. So I always wanted to practice. So anytime we had that free moment, I was on that trampoline. And they, we live next door to a large family. We were a large family. And so jumping on the trampoline, having all the kids and the neighbors around was very, it was very common, very normal thing. And occasionally I would be able to go over there and no one seemed to be so busy with the trampoline. I could just be myself. So I, I would just practice for hours on end. And one time I noticed somebody clapping for all of my tricks and shenanigans. <laughs> and I looked around a little confused and it was my neighbor and said, wow, I had no idea you were so gifted and talented. And well, if you're going to say that to somebody who's already performing, well, let's talk about a performance that's going to happen. Ta-da! So, well, I put on a show. And after that, he said, if you come during this certain time, I'll make sure that the neighbors, all the other kids aren't here and you can just jump. What an invitation. I would be able to practice. Yes. So as I got better and better, I definitely took advantage of that time and always showed up around that same time to jump and to practice. Now, the events I'm talking about happened over the course of a summer. And I was around seven to eight 
So I was about seven years old at this time. And um, another time I was jumping and I noticed there was this small like angel statue in the garden and it had kind of a, a plate. It possibly was a book, but it was been so worn down and weathered. It was, was hard to tell. But on that was a gift of some gum. And I did my little tricks and practiced. And then I saw that and I went over there and I picked it up and my neighbor met me there. And there were some bushes and trees. And he said, well, if you'd like some more candy, you know, come with me and I will show you some more. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to go and <laughs> go check out some more candy. And I did, and that was fine. And promised to come back at a different time to, or come back at the same time to, ju to jump again. And maybe this time we would play some games. So I was very interested and that sounded fun. So I arrived at that time, jumped, did my thing. He comes out of the, it was like this really thick garden area. Um, trees shrubbery bushes and so we went back there of course there was extra candy and this time I got a hug so you can say the grooming began yeah. build the trust build the lure come on in and these happened several times through a week until the one time the hug felt a little different and hands were in different places and I was surprised but there was a promise that you know this the opportunity for more gifts were coming and it was okay and and there was nothing wrong so in confusion especially as a kid well I wanted to continue to jump and practice. I had just been added to a team competition. So now I wasn't just learning basics. I was now advancing in my practice. So these times became more and more frequently and worse things were happening. I was scared to tell anyone because like any good groomer will, they either blame you or threaten you or do a combination of both. And so my combination was a little of both. And because I was so good and I was so cute, it was probably my fault. And if I wanted my dream of being a world-class power tumbler, I needed to probably come back and keep practicing. So those are challenging things as a small kid with not great decision-making skills. You're a kid. I'm seven. <laughs> but so, I just to, just to interrupt you there, and for our amazing, beautiful audience, welcome to you. Um, April, my goodness, you were seven years old. On what planet could a seven-year-old understand fully what was happening number one and number two you're so right you know that grooming 
was designed to lure you in either through threats, bribery, manipulation, and sometimes all three. So here's some love to the beautiful seven-year-old. You couldn't have changed that. Yes, I appreciate that. How old would he have been? I imagine it was a he. It was, yes. So he was a senior in high school and very popular and was the student body president of the high school. So what, 10 years older than you, maybe? Yep. I'm so sorry you experienced that. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yes. Yeah, the, and I think what's really interesting is the confusion that happens afterwards that we as just humanity, we begin to storytell. And this was really an opening of my storytelling and trying to make sense to understand what was going on. And I would then, in the wintertime, because the trampoline was taken down, I would spend hours in our playroom and we had a little stage and I would fall into story and listen to the recordings and begin to take on that characteristic and that the actions, I could mimic the voices. And it was almost like I had to escape myself and become what these characters were and just create a place of imagination for me to deal with what had happened. Do you, you know... I, I guess what what would, I mean, I'm so pleased your mind worked like that. And for our audience, this is what we do as children, to try and make sense of it or to try and manage the confusion and the, the awful feelings around it. We do what children do and we act it out in a way, don't we? Yes, for sure. What happened in the end? Were you able to get away from him or were parents involved? So in the end, as the summer wound down, the, the events and touching basically finished as well. And it was just kind of this season but it impacted me for a lifetime because the the escape happened because I didn't have the place to return to. And when the next spring came, he graduated and went to college. So the trampoline was there and I knew it was safe again. And that was when I went back to it, I decided to get better. And the fierceness in competition really started and I was moved to even higher scales and started to compete on, on a national level and then went to a world competition. And I knew what was fueling me was, okay, I can't say I know that as a seven, eight, nine, ten, up to 14, no consciously, but I knew that if I worked hard and stayed focused, I didn't have to deal or think about those feelings. That's right? such yeah. a valuable point because that's what happens, isn't it? 
that mm-hmm. whole whole thing and our audience watching will completely understand if we're that busy and that distracted, there's no room for having to deal with or manage. Yes. April. That, that was a lot easier. Yeah. And, and thank you. And I guess one of the things, you know, just incredible your mind. Um, one of the things I wanted to check with you was this. To have, I imagine, the love of your life as in the trampolining um being so tainted how how was that for you so it became two things where now this is interesting the trampoline brought me in but the the garden and shrubbery area is where events happened so for a long time and it makes me kind of smile now for a long time when the family had to weed the garden do the shrubbery all that stuff I chose something completely different I said what was what was inside or um, I'll help with the cooking I'll do the canning I'll do whatever else but y'all do that stuff I'll do something different because I didn't know what was hiding behind those bushes right that's that was my coping skill and so What's really interesting is now to come full circle with knowing how to garden and how to plant. Again, the trees and the bushes, they concealed it, but not by their choice. I'm sure if they could have dropped their leaves, they would have. <laughs> I kind of have to laugh at that. And But there, that, that was part of the connection and not necessarily the, the trampolining. But I did put a lot of effort into that um and in the to the tumbling and to become a perfectionist so so the pleasing and the perfection and the performance really became this high fuel and when I couldn't do that I was lost I didn't have a lot of identity if I wasn't in a performance like competition if I wasn't able to complete something and please somebody and if I could not um do it in the way that my mind thought was perfect it became a struggle and I was very very hard on myself didn't blame outwardly blamed inwardly and that's one of the hallmarks isn't it of survivors of this awful child sexual abuse is very rarely as children do we have the ability to blame the adult or older person responsible because we are relying on them for something. So what tends to happen is as children, we turn it in on ourselves and it's it's ourselves we dislike. And whether that shows itself through what you just described, April, as um, pleasing perfection performance, unless it was all three, it wasn't good enough. Right. Were you ever able to share any of this with mum or dad or safe adult? Not till decades later. Not till I wrote my first book and my second book. That was that was the right timing though. 
Can you consider why that wasn't possible? I believed a lot of the blame was me or I felt um, a bit of selfishness because I, I guessed that the question would be asked, well, then why did you keep going over there? Yeah. Maybe you liked it. Yes. Gosh, as, as kids, you know, you, you are damned if you did and damned if you didn't because our minds give us this, don't they? It's all our fault. Yeah. The blame belongs. Whereas we know as adults, who does the blame belong to? <laughs> the person who was abusing. Yeah. No, that's so powerful, April. You know, and of course, it shapes everything, doesn't it? It it, it shapes how you then carry on through your childhood and and uh, adolescence and, and then what choices you make. Yep. So I guess just we're, we're coming to the end of, of this part one. We've got a couple of minutes. Is there anything else around this from your perspective as a child um, going through that? awful summer then recalibrating and feeling that that trampling was a safe space again how was that I'm interested in how your mind was able to bring it back into safety where you could perform and practice and the the place of safety for that uh, the the worth or when you're given a skill or a gift or a talent and you develop that whether it's something very physically active like tumbling or piano playing or whatever it doesn't matter the skill or the gift the development of that brings you joy brings mm -hmm. you a lot of joy this was something that I enjoyed doing and when I could show I was getting better and better and passing passing my other teammates and getting moved to these higher classes and I was still very young it was not a look at me this is the sign for show off look at me look at me brag brag it was I was so humbled to think wow they think I'm good well I'm gonna keep gonna practice even harder now and because it did it brought a lot of joy and when I could stick a landing or what I could accomplish this really challenging skill pass. It, it, that's work that you can feel proud of because you're working, you're trying, you're listening, you're taking in the coaching, you are performing, you are practicing, you are doing something that in the end, when you land, the crowd will, you know, celebrate, cheer the accomplishment, but it's so much more than just one part it really would bring great joy and that's fun that's that's a great thing yeah no that's amazing hey um apologies for that little buzzer going i i think that's a great place to end our part one but just as we end with that please stay right there april um but just as we end with that 
audience, April's already shared some really valuable things here. And I, I think one of them is that perfectionism um, trait that survivors can have where we keep pushing and trying and striving. And, and as she described that pleasing perfection and performance um, meant that unless she was experiencing all of that, she didn't feel okay. I think that's really a valuable take because as survivors, that's not uncommon to us. She also mentioned, and I love this, that oh, she's sure the trees and the bushes would have shed their leaves to help protect her less. And I, I do think, um, you know, at the end of the day, what a gift to be able to come full circle. Well done, April. Lovely April and be able to enjoy being in the garden. So let's leave it there. Um, that's the end of part one. I'm so excited about part two with this amazing survivor. I hope you guys are too.